Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode three of Performer on Record, the official podcast of Performer Magazine. Hopefully this week you're hearing the benefits of a new pop-filtered windscreen combination that uh, we've got in place on our microphone here in studio. So for those of you who are complaining uh, loudly, vocally, the past two episodes, you'll be pleased to note that uh, hopefully all the plosive explosions are a thing of the... So uh, with that out of the way, let's get on to episode three. If you don't know me, my name is Benjamin Ricci. I am the editor at Performer Magazine. Uh, We are a print publication for musicians. We've been in print for over 30 years. Also online at performermag.com. So if you haven't had a chance, please do head to the website, learn a little bit more about us and what we cover. Uh, Typically in any given month, we're doing articles on music business, career advice for independent artists, uh, features on uh, independent musicians that have put out new records, uh, and all sorts of things related to gear, gear reviews, gear advice, and studio tips. So that's a little bit about us. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to listen to episodes one and two, you can do that in your podcast service of choice. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, the new Amazon platform that's coming out, uh, basically anywhere and everywhere that you can enjoy your podcast. Um, we did recently put out uh, a little notice on Instagram, uh, sort of a self-congratulatory notice, uh, if I do say so, and I am saying so, uh, because I've been with the magazine personally for 10 years now. This is my 10-year anniversary um, with Performer, so I'm going to go ahead and pat myself on the back since we're uh, socially distancing and there's no one here to do that for me. Um, but we did put out uh, a quick little questionnaire on Instagram Live. Uh, When that happened this summer, asking people if they had any questions uh, about um, the magazine in general or um, my 10-year experience here out of the 30 years that the magazine has actually been around. So we did get a couple of questions, and I'll try to answer those to the best of my ability now. Uh, Just bear with me. Um, Question number one comes from Daisy Markell on Instagram. Um, What are some of the best interviews that you've had a chance to be a part of? in the past 10 years, either famous artists or non-famous artists? Um, That is an excellent question. We typically publish about three to four interviews a month with musicians. We mostly cover indie bands or bands on small labels. When we do cover larger bands, it's usually like an artist artist, like someone who's really um, heavily invested in, in songwriting, someone who indie artists respect. So from that standpoint, I tend to cover some of the more well-known people, and then our freelance writers will typically cover um, a lot of the independent artists who are either on the way up or assigned to labels that you might know and love, um, things like that. So from my own experience, there are a couple of interviews that do stand out over the past 10 years. Um, One that immediately comes to mind is... um, Angelo and Norwood from Fishbone. Um, Fishbone is a band that I grew up with, um, was very heavily into uh, throughout the 90s and into the 2000s. Um, and they were just um, kind of this wonderful mishmash of, of punk and ska energy uh, at a time when I was uh, really finding punk for the first time and finding ska for the first time. So to interview those guys about their new record a couple years back um, was a real treat. Uh, Angelo's a hoot. (laughs) If you know anything about the band, um, they have a great documentary out, which I'm sure you can find on Amazon or or Netflix or one of the streaming services. Um, You can probably find it on DVD for cheap now. 
Um, but the Fishbone story is is a really great one. They're they're a band that kind of got <sighs> overlooked a little is maybe the wrong word, but definitely didn't get their um, fair fair due. I, I I guess it's it's hard to say because you know a lot of musicians do cite them as an influence. I know Sublime and No Doubt were big fans. Um, you'll see Fishbone shirts pop up in movies all the time. John Cusack uh, is a big champion of the band and has been for a long time, but they're one of those groups that I just loved personally. So it was um, really great to, to have. The other interview that stands out for me is probably um, Dave Perner from Soul Asylum, um, another one of the more well-known artists that we've covered. Um, so that's not a super fair representation of all of the bands that we cover because most of them are, are indie bands, DIY bands, things like that. But Fishbone and Dave Perner stand out. Dave um, actually was incredibly generous with his time. Um, Soul Asylum had just put out a new record. This is maybe three, four years ago. The one with the monkey on the cover. It's fantastic. Uh, it's got some great singles on there. I thought it was one of the best things that they had ever done. And I had about 20 minutes scheduled with him. And that's not unusual. Um, you know, when we schedule interviews with artists, if they're not as well-known, and especially if they're not on tour, we can usually get a little bit more time with them. Um, it's ideal to have a writer sit down face-to-face. -face. Obviously, that's the best scenario. Um, worst case scenario is we do a phoner. We, we set that up ahead of time with the publicist or the band's label, and we usually try to schedule out about 30 minutes. It's, it's a good enough time where you can get really good quotes and information uh, about whatever the band's working on, whether you're interviewing them about a tour or a new vinyl release or, or whatever the case might be. But it's not so much time that you run out of things to say. Anyway, Dave Perner is fairly well known. I didn't want to take up too much of his time. We were given 20 minutes. That's great. That's about all I needed. He's done a million interviews, so he knows how to whip through these things pretty quick. Um, we, we get into it. We talk about the new record at length, which is great. That's what I wanted to cover. And then we get into some other stuff. And, and Dave was really generous. He, he gave me over an hour of his time, his personal time. He didn't have to do that. We talked about things that I just wanted to know about. Personally, things like his guitar setup, um, things is, you know, the minutia of how to set up a, a bridge on his Telecaster or a Jazzmaster. And we talked about uh, the Mastery Bridge, which is uh, a product out of Minnesota, where he's from. We talked about music that he had done for films that no one really asked him about uh, a lot, especially things like um, the score to Chasing Amy, what happened with the soundtrack release to that, why there was none, where is all that music stored. So if you haven't read that, uh, head over to performermag.com. All of that stuff is archived. So you can check out past interviews, any of the articles that we've done, any of the music business stuff that we've covered, any of the gear tips, studio tips. It's all there. So those are some of the standout interviews for me. Um, and there's just a plethora of information. Um, let's move on to one of the other questions. What are some of the favorite covers of the magazine that you've done? Um, so for me, I was a reader of Performer before I started working here uh, a decade ago. And there are a number of covers that I picked up when I was a teenager. Uh, one that I remember is, and don't laugh, it's the Stained cover. Uh, it's one of the more famous covers we've done um, before Stained really 
hit hit big uh, on the nationwide level. They were still a local Massachusetts band. Um, but of some of the ones that I've done, I really like some of the special edition uh, covers that we've we've put out over the past few years. Um, we did one uh, called the Tape Issue, where we kind of recreated the old uh, Maxell poster of the guy being blown back in his chair, which I thought was really cool. We did a good job on that. Um, I also really liked uh, the touring issue that we did with the screaming females on the cover. Uh, it's a really intense live shot of the band kind of writhing around the floor that I thought was a, a wonderful way to capture the energy of that group. Uh, great, great band, and I was really happy. Let's see. I also like the Tycho cover that we did recently where we kind of mimicked his visual style. If you, if you know what a Tycho album cover looks like or a poster, uh, you can kind of get a sense for what we did with the cover to kind of honor him um, as part of his most recent release where we interviewed him. Um, you can check that out on the website, obviously, too. Just type in Tycho in the search bar and you'll see what that looks like. Um, some of the other ones that I really enjoyed... Um, I liked uh, the social justice issue we did a couple years back where we kind of did a play on the old Sex Pistols album cover. I really enjoyed uh, one we put out oh, maybe eight or nine years ago um, with a band called Tijuana Sweetheart. It was a really awesome shot of their drummer and she's at kind of this toy drum set with the band's logo and her arms up in the air and everything flailing. Um, that was a really great shot that we were able to get. And let's see, I'll pick one more, um, and I'm going to go with the photo issue that we did. Um, now, this is a photo shoot that we did down in Atlanta, um, and it, it celebrates photography in music. And we had uh, an artist on the cover with his guitar kind of shooting his camera straight at uh, the camera that was shooting him, and he's surrounded by a whole bunch of kind of old-fashioned uh, analog film equipment. I thought that one came out really well. It was pretty striking. But, you know, I've done almost 100 covers here personally. I know this kind of sounds like the, the Ben Ricci congratulation hour, and I'm not meaning it to be like that, but I, I do have some favorites. You know, we're proud of the work that we do. I'm proud of the work that we do. Hopefully everybody else here is as well. I'm not just speaking for myself. Um, but, you know, we do have favorites and, and those are some of those. Um, let's kind of burn through the rest of the questions here so we don't take up too much time. and We can get to our main interview today with the wonderful Haley Reardon, uh, an artist uh, actually from Massachusetts. Uh, I'll, I'll call her Massachusetts uh, slash Nashville because she spent a lot of time down in Nashville to um, honing her craft. Um, one more question. How do I get featured in the mag? Well, I thought this was going to be a quick one, but it's not going to be. Um, this is something we get more than anything. We get this from bands. We get this from labels, from publicists. How do I get my band featured in the magazine or on the website? And there's no real great, you know, step-by-step -step guide to do that. Um, we're pretty approachable, so you could just email us directly either editorial at performermag.com or ben at performermag.com. You can reach me directly. I'm pretty accessible by email. Um, either reach out to us yourself, have your publicist or label or manager do it, whoever represents you best, whoever you trust, and pitch us on what you've got going on. Um, it, it's got to be someone interesting. Um, there's a million bands out there whose entire story is we're a band, we formed, we made music. That's not really super interesting unless the music is so incredibly amazing we can't overlook it. And we've had those cases where the band, you know, not everybody has a story. That's fine. Um, but the music was so good. 
we we had to write about it we had to cover it um and, and those instances aren't few and far between i mean there's a lot of independent bands who just blow me away that we we have to cover in some way or another and sometimes they implode a year later and they don't exist and sometimes they go on to great success we've been a lot of bands first covers uh which we're pretty proud of um but as far as getting in the mag you know pitch me on why we should be interested um one of the things that we try to do when we write an article is think about our reader flipping through pages or browsing on a website they're going to come across a headline and they're going to ask what's in it for me why am i going to bother to read this article why am i going to bother to click on this link so you've got to think of that too when you're approaching a magazine or a radio station or whoever what's in it for them and, and load them up with some ammunition that they can't really ignore if there's a really interesting story in it for them uh, if you've got you know a killer song premiere uh, if you've got an exclusive video that would be great for them um, know their audience know who we reach um, you know we get a lot of requests from people who just don't fit into what we do and that's not a slam on them or what they do it's just if you read the magazine or, or look at the website you can kind of see the types of things we cover and the types of things we don't um so we're probably not going to cover your polka band from sheboygan um sorry to any polka bands out there from sheboygan but probably not going to happen unless unless you're doing something super creative like you're an edm polka band i don't know that sounds kind of neat send me that record um as far as sending your music that's a good segue um we do have some guidelines up on the website uh, i'll say it a thousand times performermag.com head there all the info you need um you can send us a copy of your record to our p.o box um i will listen to everything um I might not listen to all of it if it's terrible, <laughs> uh, but we put everything on the stereo, give it a fair chance. Um, every CD, every tape, every record we get. Uh, and we do still get a fair amount of physical releases, um, but if you've got something streaming that's easy to get to, that's not like just an Apple Music or Spotify link, like if you have an actual link where I can listen to the entire thing, um, that's great. Don't make me pay for your music. I know that's a really kind of arrogant thing to to say but you really shouldn't be sending someone a purchase link on your website it's really kind of not not cool it's one of those unwritten rules that shouldn't really have to be unwritten it should just be written um don't send an editor of a magazine a link to purchase your stuff send them your music just just send it and if you're not willing to invest uh in in hosting your tracks on a streaming site like soundcloud or bandcamp uh for for editors to check out i don't know what to tell you if you're not willing to invest the two dollars to mail me a cd uh why should i invest the time in you i guess is what i would shoot back and and i know again that sounds kind of arrogant and dickish and i don't mean it to be but that's kind of the reality and, and i'm one of the nicer people so if you're up against a, a more big time magazine with more big time editors who who have a more big time attitude they're gonna be a lot less nice than me so things to keep in mind um approach us respectfully uh send us your music send us relevant information about you so we know who you are uh links are always helpful i can't tell you how many emails we get from bands or publicists who just say hey check out you know my band so and so and it's just coming from a gmail address and they don't include any links so it's hard to look them up especially when they have a name that they didn't research ahead of time and there's five other bands with that name so you know i'm just trying to arm you with the best information possible so that you can give not just me but anybody you're approaching in the industry um the, the
best information that they can have to make a decision. So that's kind of um, my general advice on that on that front. A, have amazing music that can't be overlooked. I mean, that's the core of everything. Even if your story isn't all that interesting, um, if the music speaks for itself, that's really all that matters. Um, your look isn't super important uh, to me anyway. Um, if you don't have amazing photos, uh, it's not going to hurt your chances. It definitely helps. If you've got great studio stuff already, it saves me from setting up a new photo shoot, but that's certainly something we're, we're willing to do if we love you enough. Um, we've done it you know, a thousand times over, over the past few decades. So that's not, you know, a deal breaker either, but something that, you know, maybe is good to have good, good photos, investing in, in something good to, to help, you know, bolster your look, or at least something where I can get a sense of who you are, even if your personality shines through and it's just a, an iPhone shot. I mean, most people's phones now can shoot 4k video and, and wonderful portraits. So there's no excuse. Send, send a decent photo, uh, so we know who you are, um, send amazing music <laughs> so we can't say no. And if you have a story, that's kind of third on the list. If there's something interesting that sets you apart, um, let people know that. Um, because if it comes up, you know, to a choice between you and someone else and you look good in a magazine and your music is amazing and you've got a new record that just has to get out there and... You're up against someone else who who maybe has a leg up on you. You might lose out that opportunity. Maybe not in our magazine, but maybe somewhere else. So again, these are just kind of general things that I would throw out there. Hopefully, they're helpful to you. Um, but you know, that's that's my two cents. I've talked for a very very long time, and I haven't answered all of the questions. But there is one more quick one before we get to our main interview that I'll touch upon uh, as succinctly as I can. I am not a person who is succinct, so I apologize in advance. If you listen to episodes one and two, you know that by now. And you'd also know that I just slipped into my radio voice for my own amusement. Um, this final question that we got on Instagram Live is, have you noticed any industry industry trends or things... Oh, that grammar is very poor in their question, but I'll reword it on the fly. Or any things at the magazine that have changed since you started as editor. So I started in 2010. Things were going uh, for about 20 years before I even hopped on board, but there have definitely been some things that have changed. Um, the, the biggest one that comes to mind is the amount of physical releases we get sent for review uh, has diminished uh, probably tenfold since I started. When I got here, we had buckets and buckets of physical compact discs, tapes, and records coming into the office on a daily basis. Now, the amount of music we get has probably increased. Uh, if anything, it's gone up. More people have access to the tools to make records now at home, especially now when everybody's on quarantine, but e even uh, well before that. So we're getting more music. We're just getting more of it digitally, and that's fine. If you have a physical release, that's great. Send it to us. We like you know ripping things open and artwork and all that traditional stuff, but Again, not a deal breaker. What else has changed? Um, certainly one of the biggest seismic shifts I think I've seen as someone who receives a lot of music, and I'm sure the listening public has seen this too, is just the shift from groups to solo artists. Um, if you look 10 years ago at the amount of stuff we were getting in the mail, the vast majority of it was bands, like rock bands, indie bands, hip hop groups, 
groups in general <laughs> people clustering in in groups of three to four people to make music as a cohesive unit um now 10 years later in 2020 we we do get a, a fair amount of bands traditional you know indie bands uh for sure but things are skewed much more towards the solo artists and i think that's a product of the tools um if you can make a record on your own with an interface and a guitar and a microphone a lot of people are just doing that so they're not finding the need to to form a band anymore to to meet their musical goals a lot of people are just dabbling so they're not even interested in forming a band in the first place they're just doing their own thing um so that's that's a big trend that we've seen the move away from bands to singular artists as as an entity and just the incredible rise of electronic uh, uh instrumentation and since in the entire landscape of music even the indie bands 10 years ago i don't think a synth would be found on maybe more than 5% of the indie records that we got from bands. Now when we're getting records, it's full of synths. And it's great. You know, there's been this big analog revival. You can get stuff from Behringer for next to nothing that basically sounds like an old mini Moog. You know, so if you've got 200 bucks to invest, you can have a killer setup at your fingertips, a hardware setup. And of course, the the big thing that's happened in the past decade um, from when I started is all the software plugins uh, the, the virtual instruments vsts uh, audio units anything under the sun that you can you know plug into your daw to uh make music with um we've we've heard it all um, so if you have a midi controller or even you're just using a keyboard uh that's hooked up to your laptop you can pretty much get any sound under the sun these days either for free or almost next to nothing so the rise of electronic instrumentation in um traditional rock music um and indie music in general it's it's overtaking guitar i mean we don't hear a ton of guitar based music anymore either on the radio or on spotify or on youtube um it's just it's just kind of dwindled in popularity so those are the trends that i've seen um why don't we take a break now and hear a word from our sponsor This episode and all episodes of Performer on Record are brought to you by our wonderful premier podcast sponsor, Elixir Strings. Uh, We only use Elixir Strings here at Performer because their protective coating keeps our strings in the office full of life better than any other brand we've ever tried. And when we're reviewing stomp boxes, amplifiers, recording gear, interfaces every month, we don't want anything distracting us from that job, like the hassle and expense of constantly changing strings. It's a headache. we know that you don't want anything getting in the way of making your music either. So say goodbye to corrosion and dirt and sweat and oil and gunky buildup and use Elixir Strings. Their proprietary featherweight coating acts as a wonderful barrier against all that tone-sucking buildup on your guitar and bass strings and allows you not to get lost fiddling around. More information is available. Just head to elixirstrings.com. Check out our YouTube channel for a ton of demos featuring electric, uh, acoustic, and more from Elixir. And uh, join the Elixir revolution. That's my copy, not theirs. So uh, don't tell them. All right, back to the show. (laughs) 
All right, so enough of me yapping. Let's get on to the main feature. Um, this is our recent interview with the wonderful singer-songwriter uh, from Massachusetts slash Nashville, Haley Reardon. Um, Haley was our recent Elixir Strings Artist of the Month, so you can check out some really cool videos she uh, helped us out with for our YouTube channel where she demos the Elixir Acoustic Strings. Um, you'll see her stringing up and performing an original song, so definitely go check that out because she did an awesome job and I think the video is up to almost 100,000 views right now. So that's going strong. You should give that a listen. And without any further uh, jabbering from me, here is our interview with Haley Reardon. All right, so we are here with Haley Reardon, who was our most recent Elixir Strings Artist of the Month um, for this past month. And she did a really great job. If you haven't checked out some of the videos that she put together for us, uh, head on over to our YouTube channel or any of our social media pages uh, and give those a watch. But um, Haley, thanks for uh, hopping on with us today. So what I'd love to do is give our listeners uh, a little bit of background about you, kind of where you came from musically, what you're up to now. So if we can go back and maybe get a sense of how you kind of got started with music and the guitar and everything, um, that would be really great. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm from uh, the North Shore, north of Boston, and I, I don't know, grew up with a guitar around the house that never got played. <laughs> sitting in a corner somewhere, um, and one summer when I was really young, I was like 11, headed to sixth grade, um, I picked up the guitar and started learning to play, and then sort of immediately felt drawn to writing, that was the exciting part for me, it was like learning an instrument was a vehicle to write songs, which I'd always written poems and things, um, so it just felt like, that was the exciting part, that's what I was always, always drawn to, and that's always been my passion and like guitar learning more about guitar has always been a means to learn more about writing and um same thing with everything and I kind of found my way in the sort of New England folk scene and then moved to Nashville for a little while and moved back home and um anyway yeah play folk clubs and listening rooms and do the singer songwriter thing so you you started initially kind of as a way to uh spark your songwriting process now you said you moved to nashville and came back um can you give us a little bit of insight onto kind of what sparked the move what what you found down in nashville i think that would be great for our listeners to learn because a lot of them are probably contemplating the same thing so to hear it from someone who's who's been there and lived there and done it um would be really great It wasn't where I belonged, and 
I think I struggled to be creative for that reason, even though creativity is alive and well there. Yeah. Um, but I just ended up wanting to go out there. But I, it's a wonderful place. There's a lot of magic happening there. So. Would Would you see yourself ever going back professionally, or are you kind of um, over the whole Nashville thing? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I'm maybe you know nothing's out of the cards, but um, but I I just didn't quite feel like myself there. Like maybe someday I'll find my way back, but um. You know, there's a lot of other places that interest me in the meantime, so it would be farther down the list since I've already sort of given it a staff, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that makes sense. Um, I think a lot of people go outside their comfort zone to see what that even is. Um, and maybe people don't even know what their comfort zone is, <laughs> you know, so they got to explore things and find out what works for them creatively. Um and when you find that, I think you've certainly found that um, it, it's really good to kind of learn, you know, what that looks like. Um, maybe you can walk us through your creative process, how you sit down to write a song or how that sort of evolves naturally for you, um, you know, as a, as a kind of creative outlet for your for your work. Right. Um, so, which is kind of why I love, uh, to me, building a career as a songwriter is like building a life that's inspiring and fulfilling because that's the engine of like my song. So, um, so I'm very relaxed in that sense. Like I kind of believe I have to go out and have interesting experiences and be present in my life in order to then go back and write rather than sitting and like banging my head against the guitar. Um, maybe I'm too lackadaisical, but that's how I've come to approach it. Um, so... Yeah, I kind of wait for inspiration to come, and I do everything all at once when it does. I have never written, like, lyrics separate from melody or guitar parts separate from the rest of the song, so I, um... So that's all kind of one process for you. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, I gather pieces, and I mean, I think of myself, the rest of, when I'm not sitting with a guitar, I think of myself as, like, a storyteller and an observer, and I'm kind of gathering details and stuff, and then when it feels like there's something there, I kind of sit down and just kind of see what comes up so it's very um very i don't know mystical i i and i keep it that way like i like the sort of magic component well it's interesting it's interesting to hear you talk about your career because obviously i'm i'm an outsider i don't know your headspace when you're writing or performing but i've obviously i've gotten your records in the mail before and i've listened to them and i think we've covered you in the mag so i know you primarily as a singer and it's singer songwriter of course but obviously the first thing that hits me is your voice because that's what goes in the cd player that's what you know goes in my spotify playlist so to hear you kind of explain your creative journey um it sounds like you almost see yourself or view yourself more as a songwriter first unless i'm misunderstanding no yeah you're right i do um and i think yeah and i think sometimes maybe i'm limiting myself in that sense because i am like i'm just a songwriter but but it's all one thing i mean i the way i sing a song is all part of trying to convey whatever i'm trying to convey but um but and i almost think of it as like part of the like essence of the song that i wrote you know yeah um but but that's just my like take on it obviously i am all of those things and um and I'm a musician and a singer and whatever, but yeah, I do see myself that way, probably because that's what I was most drawn to first and remains like 
the most interesting part of it all to me. That's like the juicy part that I can never get enough of is the actual writing. So let me ask you, let me ask you this, because when we talk to artists, a lot of them have different perspectives on the songwriting process, especially those who consider themselves primarily songwriters in addition to, to being performers. Would you ever, or have you ever sold your songs to other artists to perform? And if so, is it hard for you to listen to other people do your work if it is um, kind of that personal to you? I know that's sort of a loaded question. No, yeah, well, it's a good one. And it's something I definitely explored when I was in Nashville because obviously that's a great place for that where, you know, I remember being confused when I got there. People would say, do you want to be an artist or a writer? And I'd be like, what? Those are the same thing. You know, like, <laughs> the writer writes. They're an artist. They created it, you know? But um, so I did explore that because I was like, yeah, songwriting is the engine for me. That's what I'm most drawn to. Um, and I wouldn't be against it at all. Like, if I had, if you know, a song that I already wrote, someone said, hey, I want to cut that. Of course, that would be awesome. But but I don't know that I'm interested in, like, um, really pursuing that, like, going and writing for people um, at this point just because I feeling my own life and turning it into something rather than being like, oh, this person needs a song about this. Like, let me get in that headspace. I just am not as excited by that process, but I've tried it, and it can be really fun, and I've made great friends, like, in co-writes and doing that type of thing, but um, but it's actually where my attention's at now. But that said, I have no hang-ups about it. Like, I would gladly let somebody sing my song. That would be cool to hear their interpretation of it, so. Cool. Yeah. Um, I guess we should address kind of the elephant in the room, which is if, if anybody's listening in the future and the world is still here, uh, we're in the year 2020 where things are not going so hot, uh, to say the least. And it's derailed a lot of musicians' uh, plans, obviously, most notably in the live touring space. Um, so I guess the, the question of the day is, did you have uh, a tour or live gigs lined up that that you either had to move or cancel or, or what's going on with kind of your live situation right now and I guess follow-up question before you even answer that is what do you sort of see happening in the short-term and near-term future as far as live performance goes yes um yeah I had kind of the most stuff I've ever had lined up oh I no <laughs> I know but it's, it's all work gonna work out it's okay I have faith but um but I was actually about to leave at the very end of March. I was headed to, I was going to do an artist residency program in Germany um, that I'd been invited to do by the city of Dachau, like super random. So I was moving to Germany for six months, and I had like basically six months worth of like pretty heavy touring through that whole period. Oh, all wow. Europe. Okay. Um, so, and I was getting so nervous. I was like, should I do this? Should I not? And um, I'm very health conscious. I was very scared. And then the decision got totally made for me. Everything was canceled, obviously, very oh, quickly. Oh, boy. Um, so, yeah, so that all, you know, got wiped out in one fell swoop. So, so you had a major, major live thing locked in for, for almost the whole rest yeah. of the year. Okay. Yes, and I had been, I mean, it was a bit of a, like, shock because I had been awaiting that. Like, I had been, I'm at my parents' house right now. I was awaiting leaving. Sure. So I was going to go away for six yeah. months, but I didn't have any like life infrastructure set up um so yeah so it definitely like threw me for a loop but um but it's kind of comforting it went that it went all at once instead of like this ongoing game of like okay this master shows is canceled now maybe we can play the next one right and then that gets canceled canceled so um that i'm hoping to have moved to next year that's the goal as of now it's the same time frame in 2021 like spring 
and I'll go do the same thing, hopefully, because it still feels really, like, aligned, something I really want to do, um, personally and creatively, but time will tell, um, but I've been doing, like, online shows here, I've been doing them privately over Zoom, so they're not, like, I'm trying to maintain the, like, intimacy of, of my normal show somehow, so I've been doing small groups where I can see them, and they can see me, and we can talk to each other. Okay, that's um, cool. Yeah, that's been nice, and, yeah, I don't know what the future holds, I mean, <laughs> I think a lot of things are going to change for sure, but, um, and that's sad. I think a lot of places that I adore, I worry about at venues and artists and whatever, but I also think um, also lots of new fruitful things will come of it because that's just how things like this work, right? Like, you know, things fall apart and then new things crop up. So I don't know. Big question mark. So if, if I, if I can ask you a little bit about the live streaming stuff, because I know a lot of artists that we've talked to have had, sort of experiences on both sides of the spectrum. They've either loved it and it's been great and they've had a good time interacting with with fans over video. And then we've had artists who are like, this is not for me. This is not replicating the live experience. I don't like it. It's almost I'm too detached from the audience. But it, it sounds like without putting words into your mouth that you've had uh, a little bit of a, a different experience. Yours has been a little bit more positive. So maybe you can talk a little bit about how that's been working for you, how you've set those up, how they're working, how you feel in front of the camera performing, those sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, in general, I'm like super sheepish about social media, about like, I never do like lives or anything like that pre-corona. So, um, so I was very turned off. I was like, oh God, I don't, you know, I don't want to sing to a wall with like the little, you know, number in the corner <laughs> going up and down and you're like, ah, it's just a number, you know? Yeah. Um, and my show also does not really lend itself to that because it's mostly a very intimate singer-songwriter show, me and a guitar telling stories. Like, it's not like a passing by on a Facebook feed, you know? Right. Um, so, so I when like everyone under the sun was doing all these videos and I was feeling like oh my you know having that anxiety of like maybe I'm doing the wrong thing and that's that so that's why I came up with this plan eventually to do um to use zoom where like you know they can turn on their camera and I can see them and to do small groups like privately so I started asking my fans do you want to gather a group of friends and uh and then I'll you know play a show for you and your friends which turned out to be amazing because First of all, all they have to do is send out a link to their friends, but in the heart of quarantine, it was like, you know, it gave them an excuse to get together. So I would play for an hour, and then I'd have this group of 20 people who all knew each other, haven't seen each other. Oh, that's month, cool. And okay. they would all kind of chat, and I would be, so it, it felt like mutually like a gift. Um, and then we do donations if you wanted to, and no worries if you didn't, and then it didn't feel like, it was also a weird time to be, um, you know, trying to sell anything. Yeah, <laughs> so, um, sure. It, yeah, so it's So do you think that's something that you may continue even, I mean, knock on wood, if there is a post-coronavirus uh, uh, time period that you might do kind of in your downtime while you're not on the road or, or doing live performances? Yeah, I do think so because, um, yeah, I've, I've always struggled. Like I said, I, I'm not super into social media, and I think sometimes I like struggle to keep up with my mailing list and all this stuff you're supposed to do to stay connected. And, um, 
and this has reminded me, like, I do have this village of people. Like, they're small but mighty, but they really are my people. And um, and this has been a really cool way to connect virtually, which I always kind of, I always kind of wrote off the internet as, like, not real life. Yeah. And this has been, has, I'm, you know, reimagining how I look at, like, the internet and how I can relate to my fans and, like, actually interact with them. So, um, yeah, I think I will. I think, uh, or even just getting comfortable in that format, like, if I use it in a different way, like, you know whatever. I don't know yet, but yeah, I will definitely continue the format. I think, I think I don't know yet is probably the most honest response anybody can have to anything right now. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm like, maybe. But, but I do. I have had a good enough experience that I'm, I am thinking about that. Good. How can I keep this going when, you know, life is back normal? Well, that's no good. for a live show, but... Yeah. No, it, it's definitely not, but I think some people are finding, hey, maybe this could supplement my live shows, or maybe while I'm you know, recording and people aren't seeing me on the road. This is something I can do to kind of keep that going. Um, I would be remiss if I let you go before asking about how you're still liking the Elixir strings, because, um, you know, like I had mentioned when we got on the phone here, you uh, you were our artist of the month last month. Um, so again, reminder for anybody who hasn't checked out uh, Haley's videos on our YouTube channel, please go do that because she did a wonderful job. Um, so how are you liking the strings? <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and she keeps stealing my guitar because she's like, these strings are so much easier. She's like learning bar chords. Yeah. You know? She's like, I can't do it on my guitar, but I can do it on your... My guitar is also like set up way nicer than hers. But, um, <laughs> but so she keeps stealing it. She's like, I love these strings. But yeah, they're, they're great. Excellent. Well, that's good to hear. Um, I guess the last thing, you know, for our listeners um, is if you want to kind of give them a sense of what's... Next, uh, now that now that Germany's off the table, what's what's to come? Are you working on a new record? Are you doing any recording, kind of while the world is shut down? Um, and then maybe let them know where they can find you online and social media, even though you're not, you know, super into social media. <laughs> yes, I know I could get better at that, but um, yeah, I'm writing on my own at home. I don't really do much home recording, especially not in my like in limbo situation right now. But I'm writing, and hopefully that will turn into um, something new between now and when the world gets up and running again. Um, I'll put out an EP that I have ready to go, like early next year, hopefully. Awesome. And yeah, and I'm doing my virtual shows. If anyone's interested and wants to hop on one of those, um, where can, can people find you? They can find me just under my name anywhere, like Haley Reardon Instagram, which is at Haley Reardon H A Y L E Y R E A R D O N, and um. Awesome. Yeah. So I heartily recommend uh, Haley's music. Like I said, we've covered her in the magazine. We've reviewed um, some of her past records. Hopefully we'll be reviewing more of her records as they come out in the future. Um, but if you have a chance, do check her out online. Um, she's a wonderful singer songwriter um, from here in Massachusetts. We don't get to talk to a lot of kind of local artists uh, much anymore because we talk to folks from all over. So it's great to, to hear from someone uh, from the New England area. Um, Haley, I want to thank you so much for, for getting on with us here. Um, we wish you all the best and hopefully we'll chat with you again soon. Thank you, Ben. Thanks for <laughs> always being such a supporter. I appreciate it. All right. Have a good one. Bye-bye.
All right, that was our conversation with our previous Elixir Strings Artist of the Month, Haley Reardon. Um, We wish Haley all the best, so definitely check her out on the website. And like I mentioned earlier, head on over to our YouTube channel. We've got a couple of recent clips with her from the summer where she tests out some Elixir uh, acoustic strings and performs an original track for us. So that was really cool. Anyway, that wraps it up for this episode. Uh, If you like what you heard, please subscribe on your podcast service of choice. Uh, Go back and listen to episodes one and two if you haven't had a chance to do that yet. Check out the new issue of the magazine uh, with Guitar Gabby on the cover that just hit the streets and the website uh, not too long ago. So that is available. And if you have a chance, head on over to our YouTube channel and subscribe. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter smash whatever buttons are available today on Instagram uh, and go on over and bookmark performermag.com if bookmarking is still a thing that you do. If you have any questions for us, again, my name is Ben. I'm the editor of Performer Magazine. You can always reach me at ben at performermag.com. Happy to answer any questions by email or if you have a question that you'd like us to answer on air, we'd be happy to do that as well. So thanks again to our premier sponsor, Elixir Strings. Thanks again to Haley Reardon. And thanks again to you for listening. Catch you next time.